This is Cardinal Francis George. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a nonprofit ministry at the forefront of Catholic evangelization, using new media to spread the faith on every continent. Father Barron challenges us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, the Gospel for today gives us once again an opportunity to reflect on the great prayer that Jesus taught us. The Lord's Prayer. The prayer for the Christian journey, which has been offered up consistently for the past 2,000 years. Think just for a minute how this prayer links us to all the great figures in Christian history. From Peter and Paul to Augustine, to Thomas Aquinas and Francis of Assisi, John Henry Newman, G.K. Chesterton, John Paul II, right up to the present day. We've all prayed this prayer. Keep in mind, as a preliminary consideration, that prayer is not designed to change God's mind or to tell God something he doesn't already know. God isn't like some big city boss or reluctant pasha whom we have to persuade or inform. He is rather, from the beginning, the one who wants nothing other than to give us good things. Though these good things might not be what we immediately want. Think of prayer as an attempt to change our minds, if you want to align our wills to God's. And so with that in mind, let's look at these petitions that make up the Our Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Notice, first of all, the wonderful tension that's established from the beginning. God is addressed with great intimacy as Father, Abba in the Aramaic. Of course, the scholars tell us it's one of the marks of distinctiveness of Jesus that he referred to God with this very intimate term, a bit like Daddy, Papa. But immediately, we remind ourselves that this Papa, this Abba, exists in heaven. That's to say, at a great remove. This play between imminence and transcendence is key in the spiritual order. If God is simply transcendent, then he becomes finally a matter of indifference, just a distant object. If God is merely imminent, then we're in danger of manipulating him, thinking we control him. The true God is our Father who is in heaven, the heavenly Father. Getting that tension between imminence and transcendence right is really key in the spiritual life. But what do we ask now of the Father who is in heaven? That his name be hallowed. His name be held holy. Now, we're not implying that God should make it holy as though it isn't already. We're praying, if you want, that it might be made holy for us. That God might be honored above all that God might be the highest value in our lives. See, 
in some sense, everything else in the spiritual life flows from that basic prioritization. I mentioned it last week in connection with the Martha Mary story. Mary chose the unum necessarium, the one thing necessary. She had her priorities clear. And that's why when she acted, her action would be rightly ordered. So may your name be held holy. We're saying, Lord, may you be the highest value in my life. Everything else will flow from that. Then we pray, thy kingdom come. God's kingdom, as I've said many times before, refers to God's way of ordering things. God's kingdom means the created realm mirroring the mind and purpose of God. Jesus' teaching, indeed his whole manner of being, his whole life, give us a very good idea of what this kingdom would look like. Look at him. What do you see? Peace. Nonviolence. Inclusion of the outsider. Forgiveness. Healing. Walking the path of compassion. That's the kingdom. That's God's way of ordering things. It's an order that mimics the order that obtains within the community of the Trinity, within the community of the heavenly host. May your kingdom come here on earth as in heaven. See, there's the heart of it, isn't it? See, once God is the central value, then we want nothing other than to make God's way of being real here and now. We want God's shalom. There's that beautiful Hebrew word that covers everything I talked about there. Peace and compassion, nonviolence, inclusion. We want God's shalom to obtain here on earth. We pray, therefore, next, that our wills might be aligned to this great purpose. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. That we might be steeled to this mission that we might not give in to the world. There's that biblical term, cosmos, the world, that means the dysfunctional world. It means the opposite of peace, nonviolence, inclusion of the outsider, forgiveness, healing, walking the path of compassion. It means the opposite of all that. It's the world that we know from our ordinary experience. We're saying now, Lord, may, may our wills be conformed to your great will as we make our way through this world. That's why this prayer is so important, to pray as you go off to work in the morning. Lord, as I work today, may you be the prime value of my life. May your will be my will throughout the day. Pray it as you commence your day. Pray it as you face a difficult decision. Pray it when you're tempted. It's a way of getting your mind and heart aligned to God. Then that great and puzzling petition, give us this day our daily bread. That seems in some ways the most straightforward request in the prayer. Give us the food that we need. Give us the bread for the day. But actually it's quite puzzling and intriguing because the Greek that's used there is ton arton ton epiousion. It's translated daily, 
Artos is, is bread in Greek. Epiousion. It's a very strange word. You find it nowhere else in Greek literature. It means literally super substantial. Usia means substance. Epi means on top of. Epiousion. Therefore, means super substantial bread. Huh. What are we praying for? Ordinary bread? Well, yeah, but much more than that. We're praying for food at a higher pitch of perfection. Food that feeds the soul as much as the body. What we're praying for now, we Catholics know, the food that is the very body and blood of Jesus. And just to play with that term for a second, epiousion, we speak of the Eucharistic bread as transubstantiated. The substance of the bread and wine has been transfigured into the substance of the body and blood of Christ. It is indeed a super substantial bread. That's what we're praying for. As we are making our way through this often conflicted world, we're trying to follow the will of God. What do we need? We need that bread. We need that food. Next, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. How central to the teaching of Jesus is forgiveness. And how central to the suffering of the world is the incapacity to forgive. Let me say it again. How central to the teaching of Jesus, go over it now in all the Gospels, how central to it is forgiveness. And how central to the suffering of the world is the incapacity to forgive. Think of suffering on the smallest, most intimate, familial level. Think of suffering on the grandest geopolitical scale. What you find over and over again is the incapacity to forgive. You find the persistence of poisoned memory. As I've said many times before to you, forgiveness is not a mere Valeity. It's not just a, an act of, of desire. Rather, it's a concrete act of repairing broken relationships. A friendship's broken. Relationships in a family are compromised. Relationships among nations and peoples are in danger. Forgiveness is the act of repairing them. How wonderful, therefore, and how deeply challenging that at the very heart of the prayer that the Son of God taught us is a petition to be given the grace to forgive. Whenever you pray this great prayer and you come to this line, think of the broken relationships that you could do something right now to heal. That's what you're praying for. We're asking for there to be a coordination between the lavish way that God has forgiven us and the manner in which we forgive those who've harmed us. So as you pray this section of the prayer, call to mind your sins, how generous God has been to you. And then you're praying that you might be like God in your forgiveness of those who have offended you. Finally, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
Friends, the last petition of the Lord's Prayer acknowledges that we are in the midst of a spiritual struggle, a spiritual battle, warfare. There was, I think, a kind of giddy optimism that seized the church after Vatican II, and it wasn't good for us. There are myriad forces in the world that are opposed to God's kingdom, and they don't rest. Now, I'm talking here about things that we can see and measure and sense. I mean things in the world of ordinary experience that are opposed to God's kingdom. They're opposed to God's way of doing things, and we'd be hopelessly naive if we denied it. We are in the midst of a spiritual struggle. But as St. Paul pointed out, our real battle is not with flesh and blood, as real as that is. But the real battle is not with flesh and blood, but with powers and principalities. We mustn't be naive about the forces, both physical and spiritual, that are opposed to us and that seek to draw us to themselves. What we're doing now at the very end of this prayer that Jesus taught us is we are invoking the mighty power of God to prevent us from being tempted and to liberate us from the evil one and from all his works, both visible and invisible. So can you see, friends, in conclusion, how this prayer rightly orders us? We put God's holy name first above everything else. Next, we strive to do his will in all things and at all times, to make his kingdom come. We pray that we might be strengthened in this struggle by spiritual food. We pray that we might be agents of forgiveness. And we pray finally that we might be able to withstand the dark power. Pray that prayer and you become aligned unto the purposes of Jesus Christ. And God bless you. I hope you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love. Four years in the making, and it's finally here. Our new Catholicism documentary series, book, and study program are now available to order online at catholicismseries.com. Will you help me introduce this epic film series to your parish, school, family, and friends? Catholicism is an unprecedented adventure around the world and deep into the faith. Learn more at catholicismseries.com or call 1-866-928-1237. That's 1-866-928-1237.